Welcome to episode 92 of the Running on Ohm podcast. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I'm excited to have Erica Hearn, long-distance runner who trains, lives, and works in the Boston area. The Running on Ohm podcast is founded upon the belief that by sharing the stories of innovative minds, it can spark your imagination and deliver encouragement and insight in your path to personal growth and transformation. I want to take a moment to thank all of the listeners who've been so supportive of this podcast in 2014. If the podcasts have been a part of your life in any way, whether you've listened to one or all 92 of them, I really would love to know what you, yes you who's listening right now, what you think about the podcast. The easiest way for you to do this is to leave a review on iTunes. Your honest perspective will help me better this podcast and also help the podcast gain more visibility on the iTunes interface so that more like-minded people can find it. It will take you less than five minutes and really make a world of difference. I had the opportunity to interview Eric in person in Boston. Earlier this week, I interviewed another accomplished long-distance runner, Sarah Bard, on episode 91, who's also from Boston. I found Eric, since being a huge ultra-running fan slash nerd that I am, I was looking at the North Face Endurance Challenge 50-miler results closely and was surprised to find that among the top finishers, there was a runner from Boston. I double-taked from excitement to know that a local runner from this area was so legit on the trails. If you listen to my interview with Sarah on episode 91, you'll also get to hear about a city runner tearing up the trails, who also works full-time like Eric. Eric teaches French and Spanish to middle schoolers and still means to tra- still manages to train for 50 milers, 100 milers, while really being quite competitive at the distance. After being super impressed by Eric's results, I got in touch with him, and I'm excited for him to share his unique, humble, and balanced perspective on his running and life with all of you. In this episode, Eric discusses how he started running in high school, and after many years of exploring the outdoors and other mediums, it was surfing that actually got him back into running in his adulthood. The power of a running community in inspiring you to train. Eric shares his perspective and experience with the Boston running community and how it's changed his life. How the experience tapping into the flow state and surfing and running is actually not that much different. A recap of Eric's recent North Face Endurance Challenge 50 mile race and the highs and lows you can experience in a race that long. Looking back on Eric's successful year of racing in 2014. How the middle school students that he teaches react to his running of ultras. His secret to balancing training and work, which is actually run to work. What's ahead of 2015 on Eric's racing calendar? Cultivating a sense of acceptance in one's journey. All this and more on this episode of the Running on Own podcast. Welcome, Eric, to the Running on Own podcast. Thanks very much. Great to meet you, Julia. So I have kind of a funny story of finding Eric. I was looking at the TNF results recently from the 50 miler and I saw Eric's name and I saw that he was from Somerville, Massachusetts. Now as a fellow person from Massachusetts, I was really surprised to see someone in really the top of the race who was an ultra runner from this area. And so I got in contact with Eric and I'm really psyched to be sitting here with him in person. So when did you first lace up your running shoes and what inspired you to do so? Okay. Uh, well, yeah. Thanks a lot for the interest. I appreciate the, you reaching out for for the interview. Um, it was certainly unexpected, but it's but it's a pleasure, and it helped me discover your podcast too, which is which has been fun. Um, so my running background, I guess, is uh, 
I it's a little bit uh, kind of a bunch of stops and starts <laughs> or starts and stops I started running really in high school as part of a gym class because I was at a private school where uh, you could choose running as a gym class <laughs> and that seemed like a decent way to uh, you know fulfill the PE requirement at my school so that consisted of um, this was a, a private school in Western Mass and that consisted of basically going out for like a three to four mile um, road slash trail run every afternoon pretty much and that kind of I think built the that habit of just going for a run on a regular basis as a way to you know kind of decompress at the end of the day and process whatever you may have been thinking about or learning that day and uh, I ended up entering one cross-country no two cross-country races um, because my school Northfield Mount Hermon um, they sponsored a pie race once a year and it was for everybody in the school and the school community to just jump in and run this three-mile race and I ended up doing pretty well um, so from never running a race before or not really even knowing how to compete in a running race I went out and the only people who finished in front of me were guys on the cross-country team and I kind of realized oh, I might be like okay at running I might be decent at this but my career was pretty short-lived because after the end of high school it just never came up again so I think I did I did two races and then it just never really came up until um, about until I turned about 30 <laughs> so through my 20s I didn't run at all um, just in college it just wasn't on my radar anymore um, I did a lot of hiking I was living in Europe for a few years and I was um, I'm a French and Spanish teacher so I was living in France for a few years I lived in Czech Republic for a couple of years and that whole time I was doing a lot of uh, hiking biking surfing pretty much everything but running <laughs> and uh, then one uh, one winter when I was living in uh, in Bordeaux in southwest France my uh, surfing buddy who was also my roommate uh, we were trying to devise ways to stay in shape during the winter for the surfing season to um, to just be prepared when uh, you know we, we surfed a lot in the fall and then in the winter it kind of gets you know the conditions get worse and it's not that it gets that cold but the the waves just get very choppy it gets very windy so you really can't surf for a few months so uh, we started trying to get into excellent shape so that when we went out we'd be ready for bigger waves and part of that kind of training program that he devised was that we go running on a regular basis and he kind of planted those seeds you know the, the seed of the idea of doing a run you know over an hour which at the time seemed crazy to me <laughs> and uh, you know he kind of first planted the seeds of like you might want to try a marathon someday and you know it's it's pretty funny like now I consider you know running a marathon is kind of become not much of a novelty to me at all but uh, when I was like 28 29 it's almost embarrassing but I don't think I knew how many miles were in a marathon then so I think I did my first marathon when I was like 31 uh, I'm 37 now and since that first marathon has just been basically no no looking back I was like okay I did this time I want to do uh, you know a better time then after a few marathons I started hearing about ultras and I thought this is something else that's crazy um, 
but I want to know more about it. You know, I want to meet people who've done ultras like 50 mile runs and 100 mile runs. And it was really just that process of like discovery that kind of kept me, you know, looking for the next goal and what else can I do to, to find my limit and then push past it and see, see what happens. So when that friend who was your surfing buddy kind of turned you back onto running, at that point, did you give up surfing or were you continuing to do hiking and surfing and everything else on top of running? When did running for you really become more of your primary focus? Yeah. So um, going into that spring, it was the last spring that I lived in Europe and um, we surfed a ton that spring. But then when I came back to the States, um, I moved back to the States that um, kind of late that summer, early fall. And when I came back to the States, you know, I was still committed to trying to go surfing. But here in Massachusetts, you, you can surf, but you really have to be committed to it. And that means, you know, driving a lot. That means going to the beach when the conditions might be pretty mediocre. Um, you just need to be, you need to put in the time to, you know, drive and just get out there. And I was running at the same time and I, I started kind of doing, you know, the, the calculation in my head. Well, I could go run for one hour and then I'm pretty, you know, I've kind of got my like sports fix. Or I could spend a whole afternoon driving to the beach, looking at the waves, seeing that it's really disappointing jumping in the water, paddling around aimlessly for half an hour, driving home, and then going for a run. <laughs> and eventually the, the running just kind of pushed out the surfing, um, especially as I started doing some races and kind of having race-specific goals. Um, so when I came back to the States, you know, I, I think it says a lot about the running culture in Boston is so strong that I met a bunch of people that became really good friends who became runner, you know, who, who were training friends, became training partners. Um, joined a diff couple different running clubs and you know I had a community of friends in Bordeaux that I surfed with and that was a large part of kind of keeping the motivation going it was, it's very you know it was very social for me and running started taking that that shape being back in Boston definitely yeah it is pretty incredible how it's so much of the community that keeps you going on those mornings when you may not want to get out of the door or yeah. in a longer race when it get, the going gets hard. I know in the ultra community, in the trail community, there's this really sense, strong sense of sportsmanship and caring for one another. Yeah, absolutely. What was your first ultra race for your, for you, and where was that? Um, the first ultra I did was the Bimbler's Bluff 50K in Connecticut. Um, really nice, nice trail race. Uh, it was in the fall 2011, so three years ago now, and. You know, it went, it went as well as I could have hoped. It went, I mean, really well. I, I came in second, which was nice. Um, uh, just kind of, I didn't know where I would kind of shake out with the competition, so that was kind of, uh, you know, encouraging. Um, and I really ran it all by feel. I didn't wear a watch. I just went out and, you know, I did chase the leader for a little while, and then I realized, okay, I'm not quite at his pace. And then it was, it was a pretty intense experience because. I ran with the eventual winner for the first hour or so, and then he kind of put a gap on me and, and you know was doing a pace that I wasn't ready to do. So I just backed off a little bit and ran my own pace. And I spent the next three hours completely alone, didn't see anybody, you know, except for going through the aid stations and it, it passing the occasional spectator, of which there weren't many. <laughs> um, it was really just three hours in the woods alone, and I had never 
done a trail run for that long before, especially kind of in a race setting where you're that focused and you're like, okay, you know, you're not slowing down to, I mean, you're looking at the view, but you're not slowing down to take a lunch break or <laughs> kind of, you know, taking the scenery too, too much. You're just focused. So it was, it was a very unique um, experience, just kind of, it was like a tunnel vision thing, you know, just going through the trail, watching the trees go by me for the whole time, watching my footing really closely. Um, and, you know, since that experience, I was, I was just looking for more. So when you look at something like surfing in comparison to running, from having watched my good friend Carly Wilson, who's actually was on the um, Running on Own podcast, who's an incredible surfer, from watching her, you get up on the wave, you're not on the wave for that long, but there's a sense of intense presence and focus you need to have. Whereas something like an ultra race or 30k, you're out there for hours on hours, and it's much more of a prolonged experience of flow. Talk to me a little bit about how you made that transition from the short bursts to the longer yeah I hadn't I hadn't really thought too much about the the comparison between surfing to running um, just because surfing's not really part of my life now you know unfortunately I, I wish it was but it's just it's just impractical especially since I got rid of my car a couple years ago um, but surfing there's a lot more to surfing than just being on the wave as I'm sure you know as well so I think um you know the long session of being out in the water um even though you might be on the wave for a grand total of two minutes you spend three hours paddling around you're reading the ocean um there's a lot of endurance involved in in surfing so you know i can see it in that i can see a correlation where yeah you're you're in the sense of flow and that you can never turn your back on the ocean as well so you need to be constantly paying attention to what the waves are doing, what the currents are doing, what the winds are doing, you know, is there a wave that's going to pop up that might, you know, pummel you that you need to get in front of or behind or react to. So you have to be pretty alert the whole time. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's not completely dissimilar. Yeah, no, I mean, you've created some really beautiful parallels. Now, most recently you had a 50 mile race. Mm -hmm. How how was it for you? What was your experience like out there? Were you alone for three hours during it, or what was the? Yeah, how how many people were you running with? Give me the so me the yeah the, the North Face uh, the North Face fifty miler uh, endurance challenge championships Gore Tex whatever it's got like twenty years <laughs> um, but it uh, it's a pretty big race and it gets a lot of really good competition which was which was a lot of fun. For me, it was also very humbling because I'm used to being a little closer to the front of the pack. So, um, you know, it was, I think it was good to realize like where you kind of, and it was fun to realize like where do you stack up against these nationally famous um, and even internationally famous trail runners. And uh, the answer was that I stack up, you know, about an hour or two behind most of them. But that was good to experience as well. Um, it wasn't uh, an experience of being alone. There were a lot of people... Um, it was also exacerbated by the fact that there was a little bit of um, there was a little bit of a change to the route this year. Yeah, I read about that. Yeah, because um, there were some intense rains, and this actually happened the last time I did the race actually actually two years ago as well. Okay. And that year they had to pretty much um, cut half of the course out due to erosion, and they did. It ended up being a forty-six mile race where the first you pretty much did two full loops in the first half of the course. 
Um, this year we were able to get to do a lot of this single track that I hadn't seen two nice. years ago. So it was, it was, um, it was stunningly beautiful. It was, it was amazing. Um, but it did mean that there were some more out and back sections where the 50 mile runners were coming back, um, down a section of trail that the 50 K runners were going out on. So there was a lot of passing people. Um, and you know, it didn't really, I mean, it didn't bother me or hinder me, but I think some of the lead runners may have been, you know, a little bit slowed down by that. And had the course not been changed, that wouldn't have been the case. But um, there were definitely sections where I was alone for up to an hour or so, um, especially in the, no, maybe not, not, maybe 20 minutes, half hour, but where the majority of the time I was running alone, maybe I would pass someone or somebody would pass me. But a lot of time I was running alone, especially in the second half of the race. Um, the section where um, you go through this single track through some really deep woods yep. um, that section was uh, was pretty solitary and what is that like for you that experience do you find that you mentally are in a good place when you're alone racing or do you need the supportive people you can be in a good space or a bad space depending on, it's not the it's more about um, what kind of effort you've put in thus far and it's more about everything else in the race that's affecting um, how you feel rather than being alone that doesn't it doesn't affect me really one way or the other I, I'm perfectly happy being alone or running with people uh, it turned out that this year at the North Face 50 miler um, that that section where I was alone for the most of it was I was starting to get a little a little low on energy and probably calories and hydration and everything so I was hitting a little bit of a low spot emotionally and physically and so it wasn't uh, it wasn't a great uh, it's not a great memory like I can picture those woods pretty specifically and kind of you know it reminds me of something out of like the never-ending story like the, the swamp the endless swamp or yeah. something. Like there was a lot of mud and like overgrown <laughs> trees and and just kind of, there were sections where you'd be running in broad daylight and then you'd go through a, into a thicket of trees where you felt like you were literally running into the night where you wanted a headlamp all of a sudden and then you're passing waterfalls. And I mean, it was kind of, it was almost creepy in a way, like just how dark it would be in some of these spots. And, um, you know, I guess there was some correlation to my mental state at that point. Um, and then I got back to the, um, closer to the finish and it was a little bit more open and I ended up running with some of the, um, 50k and marathon runners as well and chatting with people and kind of felt like I was back in civilization once I got uh you know a little bit closer to the finish yeah it's incredible how it can be this odyssey the whole experience of a longer race what was your training like in the preparation for this race and was it kind of your a race the one that you were really preparing for specifically yeah I would say that was my a race this year probably um well I would say I had um I guess three a races this year um Vermont 50 miler at the end of September was another a race for me um, and the Wapak 50 miler at the beginning of May in uh, Western Mass and Southern New Hampshire that was probably another a race so the the three 50 mile races that I did this year I th- were kind of all focuses for me and but I feel like they kind of fed one you know the training for one fed into you know the training to the next one so I, my my training over the year was kind of peaked throughout the year to to try to you know be in as as good a shape as possible for the 50 milers. Um, so I did a few 50ks as well, which those were kind of more um, 
I wasn't as rested going into the 50Ks. So I was more trying to just get some mileage, um, have, a, have a long day out. Those weren't necessarily my like, goal races, though. And how would you find your body recovered after the 50-miler? And how does your body feel now? Um, I feel great now. And you know, a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that I haven't run much in the last two weeks. So I intentionally wanted to take this, um, this time since the 50-miler, uh, beginning of December, to you know right after the holidays as kind of a down period like I'm gonna run when I feel like it and only if I feel like it and as far as I feel like it, it's like no mileage goals um, I think last week I ran 10 miles and normally I do 50 60 70 so uh, I pretty much cut my running off entirely <laughs> for, yeah. this, for this few weeks so yeah right now I feel good I haven't been running at all but um, after the 50 miler though I was I was sore, as you'd expect, but um, by the you know a day or two later, I was ready to run if I if I felt like it. But um, the other fifty milers earlier in the year, I didn't take too much time off. I took a few days off and then was back to more or less normal training. So um, I find the more the more you do, the more you get used to it, and the recovery kind of happens faster and faster. Completely. Yeah. Having immersed yourself in trails, do you have any desire to go back to the roads and run any faster times in the marathon, perhaps? Yeah, definitely. I'm running Boston this year in 2015, so that's actually going to be my next uh, focus race. Will be uh, will be Boston Marathon this year. Um, and yeah, I guess I may have given the impression that I only run trails, um, but in the last few years, I've done plenty of road marathons as well. Um, I've kind of mixed it up because just living in the city you end up running on the roads a lot and um, I still really enjoy going for long runs next to the Charles which is totally flat but um, or long runs on the Boston Marathon course just to to get some rolling hills and um, I run commute to work pretty often um, at least a couple times a week so that's also on roads um, and and I like doing some speed work as well so Cool. Yeah. I On the track? Sure, I do track work as well. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I think that's great that you really have the versatility of roads and track and really spanning the different distances. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's all running. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I got into running track, I guess, the first, uh, in my training for my first Boston Marathon um, four or five years ago now, four and a half years ago. 2010 was my first Boston Marathon, and I joined the community running club to just uh, do some speed work and also to get some experience and some some knowledge from a coach. Um, so that was my first experience having a running coach who gave me feedback on form and you know I, I learned a lot about the different kind of workouts that are important to do for marathon training. So I think that that foundation kind of helped me transition to, to ultras and in ultras, really it's it's like marathon training with a little with a little extra. A yeah. little, little more mileage, a little more back-to-backs, but the training's not too much different for, for ultras to marathons. And who for you has been a big inspiration in your running, whether it be a coach, a training partner, a professional runner out there that you really look up to? Yeah, um, there's been so many people who've, who've kind of showed me, you know, what's possible in terms of um, tackling new distances and in terms of being dedicated to your training and in, in terms of thinking differently about training and um, just just so many different people. Um, 
the whole the whole running community um, at my first running club, community running. Um, my coach Brian Hamill there was you know just just helped me build a lot of confidence and um, it really helped me progress um, into into longer distances and and harder paces and and just making me believe that I could actually do it and and a whole crew of people there and then getting to know some of the people in the um, trail animals running club uh, the Tark uh, they they just have such a such a love of running in the outdoors and and uh, just a really like zany crew like I love going to the Tark races because it's like going to this family reunion where you have you know just all kinds of different people from all walks of life who are all out there because they want to have a good time and enjoy the trails enjoy the woods and uh, and support each other doing it so that kind of you know that whole it's the whole community more than more than any individuals but um, you know I have some really close close friends who are training partners as well who've kind of kept me going and you know you learn something different from from all different people from so. every person yeah yeah, yeah. completely yeah. now you're also a teacher and mm. you're teaching french and spanish do your students know about your running and what do they think <laughs> about it uh it comes up sometimes uh it depends and there's there are some kids who yeah will, will ask questions like i heard you ran 100 miles is that true <laughs> and uh you know I don't like to talk about it too much because it's middle school kids get so distracted so easily anyways that uh, as soon as you start as soon as I mention something crazy like that it's just like a million questions and then we're way off track from what we should be doing but um, yeah some of them are aware of uh, you know my yeah my my passion and obsession and actually I, I do make a point too of telling kids that I, I run or bike to school every day and just to kind of you know I don't mind being that you know goofy French teacher who doesn't have a car and I'm like <laughs> I'm not having a car just because you know just because we're Americans doesn't mean we all have to have cars and so I kind of take that stance of I can run to work you know don't don't find excuses for uh for being lazy or for you know don't let anybody tell you, you can't uh you know run or bike somewhere or you know travel because you don't have a car Totally. I don't have a car nor a license. Oh, really? Yeah, which is to my parents' dismay. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I prefer to walk or bike everywhere. That's great. Now, for your day-to-day life, how do you find the balance of being a teacher, lesson planning with your own training, especially training for something like 50 mile or the ultra distances? They do take more time on your feet. Mm-hmm. Have you found that balance challenging or is it pretty fluid for you? Well, uh, I guess it was about two years ago that I started running to work, and that simplified my life so much. Uh, actually, getting rid of the car in general simplified my life, and and I've I think that's really important too to kind of pare down to the essentials. Um, so as opposed to in the past where I would you know drive to work for a half hour, drive home, uh, commute home for a half hour, you know try to get the motivation to go out for a run at five or six or whatever it was. Now, you know, if I'm, if I'm training more, I'll run to work more days than I bike. And, you know, it's, it's about seven miles round trip, three and a half one way, three and a half coming back. And it really just works in seamlessly into my day. So, um, you know, I'll run straight to school, which is three and a half miles, um, teach during the day. Then in the afternoon, I'll run home. And often on the way home, if I'm, you know, training for, for a long distance race or even just actually like if I'm in kind of normal running mode, I'll probably do, you know, 
8, 10, 15 miles in the afternoon. Um, 15 would be a long day, but, but it does happen. Um, so I can kind of just tack that onto my commute and it feels like part of just getting home. And, you know, a lot of people sit in an hour of traffic for a day. I just run for an hour. And you get to be out in the fresh air and yeah, in the elements. So it works for me. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Now, looking towards 2015, you have the Boston Marathon as one of your A races. Mm-hmm. Are there any other races that you're planning on doing and any big races on your bucket list over the next couple of years? Yeah, the race that really um, I want to do above all other races is the UTMB, the uh, Ultra Ultra du Mont Blanc. Um, being a French teacher, it's you know it's just the whole experience of getting to do an ultra in France uh, slash Switzerland slash Italy, um, and in experience that whole culture at the same time as doing an ultra, you know that's the and doing a hundred miler in you know incredibly beautiful mountains. That's that's definitely a bucket list race for me. Um, as far as for next year, I'm not really I haven't kind of sussed out my goals after Boston. Um, I'll probably do a couple 50Ks in the spring. Uh, I will probably do the Wapak 50-miler, um, which is it's a very small local 50-miler um, close to Mount Monadnock, but it's a, it's a really beautiful race. And it was my first 50-mile race, so that's kind of, you know, it's close to, it's near and dear to my heart. And, um, I've done it the last couple of years. I'll probably want to do that again. But uh, the next couple of weeks... I'm going to be kind of figuring out what my goals are for next year. I like to kind of take, you know, this season around the holidays, it's a nice time to kind of reflect and think about what are some of the things you want to do for for next year. And and it's an interesting spot for me right now because I have met a lot of goals that I had already. Um, So I'm I'm not sure if uh, the races I'm going to be thinking about doing next year might have a a different element to them or maybe doing a triathlon or an Ironman or an adventure race or something I don't know so um, I'll have a lot of kind of contemplating to do in the next next couple weeks which is really exciting yeah, yeah do you ever wonder what your life would how life would have been different if you had kept on running after high school yeah it's funny I there's there's definitely been times um and it, it actually, it took me a while to get over the idea of uh, regretting a little bit that I didn't run competitively when I was in either high school or college, just because, you know, I, in the two races that I did, kind of more or less off the couch, I, I was running, but not totally off the couch, but um, in the two races I did, I placed pretty well. So I kind of asked myself the question, like, what if I had been actually training and actually competing, you know, I'll never know what I could have done in high school. Um so there's definitely times when I regret that, but now I don't really regret it so much as just kind of think that this is the time for me to to figure out what I'm capable of in terms of running performance. And I've, I've kind of accepted the fact that I just had other priorities at, at that point in my life. And especially talking to friends of mine who did run competitively in high school, you know, they, they don't necessarily have really fond memories of it. A lot of people get, you know, they got burnt out. Um, they remember spending their weekends um, traveling far away to go to races and spending a lot of time in the car going to random high schools to compete. And, you know, I, I had a lot of really close friends in high school that I am still friends with. Um, and, and the weekends and time off was, was really precious time to be 
to be just spending time with them. So it took me a while, but I, I, I am a place at a place of accepting um, what happened in my life, and you know I'm totally happy with it. No, no regrets. And that you still have so much time to get yeah. to keep on running and crushing PRs and exploring new trails and places. Yeah, well, that's been a nice realization too. That you know, even being in my late 30s, I've been getting faster in the marathon every year. And I hope to do a faster one next year as well. So, um, yeah, there's definitely plenty of time to improve. To close up our interview, I have a few fun either-or questions. Okay. Mountains or oceans? Well, I grew up on Cape Cod, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with oceans. Says yeah. the trail runner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love I love mountains, but you can also run trails on the beach. Uh, you know, there's there's trails. Uh, I've done some great trail running on the Cape. There's some awesome. Yeah, there is some awesome. I yeah. explored some trails there this summer. Yeah, the out in Wellfleet at all? Or? Yes, that's where okay. I was. Yeah, nice. There's dune trails. It's it's amazing. Yeah, it's a different type of trail, but it's it is amazing in the marshes too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's a fi- uh, there's a fifty k. That happens at the end of January on the Cape. Oh, cool! On the beach, um, called the Cape Cod Fat Ass, Frozen Fat Ass, and I've done that the last two years, and it's it's amazing. And will you be doing it this year just for fun? Or? I'll, I'll probably do it this year for fun. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Smoothies or juices? Um, smoothies. I have a Vitamix and a juicer, but the the Vitamix gets a lot more action. So. I just think the Vitamixes are incredible. Yeah. I've asked Santa oh, yeah. <laughs> for a Vitamix. Yeah, I asked Santa a couple of years ago, and he, he pulled through. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> it's a pretty big, pretty big... Yeah, but it, it'll stay with you. You know, it'll yeah. last for a long time. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. I, I get up every morning super early, despite my, uh, despite my nature. So I have to get up early for teaching, but it's, it's definitely not what I would choose. And the last question is, if you had a superpower, would you rather fly or be invisible? I would rather fly. Cool. Thank you, Eric, for sharing your story. Thanks so much for the interview. episode 92 of the Running on Own podcast with Erica Hearn, accomplished long-distance runner who lives, works, and trains in the Boston area. Before I sign off, I want to ask the Running on Own community a favor. If this podcast has been a part of your life in any way over the past year, whether you've listened to one podcast or all 92 of them, please consider giving me your feedback. The easiest way to do this is to leave a review on iTunes. It'll take you less than five minutes and really make a world of difference. If you want to stay connected and in touch, please find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at runningonom.com. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I hope you have a beautiful day. Mm-hmm.